0: Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello, my name is Johannes Heller. Thank you for joining me in the Merrick studio in Berlin. With about 500,000 schools, China has the biggest school system in the world. Strict rules and high pressure seem to dictate the daily lives of pupils. But the Ministry of Education now plans to put creativity on the agenda to prepare students for the future. But will the government succeed in building an education system that strengthens students' creativity? To answer this question, I am joined by Didi Kirsten Tetlow, visiting academic fellow at Merricks and long-term China correspondent for The New York Times. Welcome, Kirsten. What is the government's understanding of creativity?
1: That's a hugely broad question in the sense that I think many societies have been wondering about what does creativity mean for a long time. In China, there is certainly a more instrumental intention and approach to the issue of creativity. Fundamentally, I think the government wants to upgrade its economy and for that they want a lot more innovation. So it's a more targeted deployment of ideas of creativity there's still this very powerful impulse in china and that's a communist party thing but it's also a traditional culture thing to teach children what to think and not necessarily how to think because it's very, very important to reproduce ideology in order to get the system to continue. That's very clear. But on the other hand, it's very clear too that children everywhere in the world are creatures of nature and we all share very large areas of activity personality emotional rooted in our physicality in our consciousness and all kinds of things and there's nothing that I've ever seen in China to make me think that if children were given totally free reign that they would be very much different from kids anywhere else but I think that right now especially from the age of six when schooling kicks in that they are in fact molded to be quite different
0: why does the government plan to introduce creativity into the school system? What's the longer plan behind that?
1: Well, there is quite a lot of dissatisfaction in China among parents with the system. They know that their kids are sort of exhausted. They're having too much information to process. It's very exam-oriented. It's called ying jiao yu, sort of hard education. But the problem fundamentally is that no parent dares to buck the system because they're always afraid that their child will be the child that falls behind and all the other children will just do fine and they'll end up slipping off that middle class table or not climbing in society. So in a way, I think partly the government's push is a little bit in response to a desire for broader, deeper Education, but still largely, I think it's a question of instrumentalizing the next generation and making them better creators in the economy.
0: How does the government plan to implement creativity in schools?
1: Well, the government issues broad guidelines, if you like. It doesn't really get down into the detail of how this should happen in each school. That's largely left over to the individual school and a good headmistress or headmaster can make an extraordinary difference. And I saw that myself in three schools I visited in Sichuan province, where head teachers or departmental teachers who were very invested in the idea of giving kids a more creative, fun, playful schooling could make an extraordinary difference. And those schools that weren't Well, there just wasn't that much changing. And of course, it's uh, quite hard for teachers to do this because they're not paid more and it requires a lot of reorganization and rethinking. You know, to be concrete, I visited a rural school, rather a sort of a mixed rural urban school on the fringes of the Chengdu city, which had many migrant children in it. They were not wealthy. I also visited a very a high class school in the city, probably the most preeminent one. These are all primary schools. And I visited an experimental school where they actually combined so-called normal with so-called disabled children. And that was very, very interesting. That's still quite rare in China. I think that one concept of creativity that it's very interesting to me is the idea of taking old things in the culture like old art skills crafts such as paper cutting picture making from that skill and somehow trying to revive it revitalize it and sort of upgrade it for the future. And I think that these are very interesting and nice aesthetic traditions that could really bring China somewhere in terms of design and things that are also linked to industrial creativity and production. That that was one aspect of it. Now Another aspect was that, in fact, the ways in which this sort of creativity, in one particular school, it was paper cutting. There was a huge paper cutting museum The way in which it was done was that the children were still very schooled in how to talk about what they were doing. They stood there very stiffly with their hands clasped in front of them and they recited. They had learned off by heart what to say about what they were doing. So that spontaneity of interpretation was missing. And to me, that's also quite interesting because I think that you can teach something, but to allow the kids then to extrapolate from it and to be truly spontaneous and free in how they interpret that thing, that's a different issue.
0: And allowing this freedom of interpretation is very much up to the schools that implement these drives to creativity. Sure and I
1: guess that connects right back to the idea of what is creativity. I mean to me there was no creativity in that rather sort of chaotic way that Westerners sometimes understand creativity as being the creation of something new. But there was an appreciation of art and crafts and the reproduction of skills and also the changing of skills to suit contemporary times. Mm -hmm. One very interesting thing in the rather posh primary school that I went to was that a lot of the kids had actually been told to join in the creativity classes by their parents and there was a lot of resistance initially because to them it was simply just one more thing that they had to do but that that resistance did start to evaporate when they realized that they could actually have fun here and that is something that I think is very interesting and where I think China still has a lot of challenges is in taking seriously the notion of fun and play because Play is how we discover, conceptualize and explore the world. But if you're constantly restricting your children saying, don't touch this, don't touch that, don't do this, don't do that, then you're really creating much narrower people. The education system is enormous and the pressure is enormous and there's plenty of burnout among children by the age of say 18 if they get there you know they're just sort of exhausted and they go to university and they they may coast along just make contacts for life and take it easy from there on so that's a very very different way to approach things from the West where I think you play in the beginning and then things get more and more serious and by the time you're university you're really working hard as for the impact, I think it's going to be very mixed. I think that China is up against a very strong authoritarian spirit which is embedded both in the party and in the culture, and I think that it's going to be very hard to work against that. You know, one sees it also in non-PRC Chinese cultures such as Hong Kong, such as Taiwan. There's very old cultural traits here. It's not just communism. It's like with so many other things in China. It's going to be a mixed picture. Some people will succeed. After all, they've got great numbers on their side. And there will be a lot of waste, although I don't like to use the term when it comes to people. But there will be a lot of failure and there will be some success. Some people will really push through to new ideas for this kind of stuff, but always... At the bottom is going to be the challenge of integrating yourself and your thoughts back into a system that still ultimately wants you to go so far, but not further.
0: What will happen if this go system creates more creative people, but society does not allow them to be creative?
1: That's a good question. I think that we're going to see sort of a parallel phenomenon whereby people... Understand the limits of what they can say and do. And they may even develop sort of a little bit a notion of parallel lives, i.e., you know what the world out there requires of you. And you may explore on your own deeper, bigger, fresher, more creative thoughts. But it's going to be a process of negotiation between these two. And I think also we mustn't think that some of these basic fundamental tenets of education in China today, which is intense patriotism, intense belief in the party that these things are going to disappear because they're not.
0: Focusing on our situation outside of China, how will China's endeavor to boost creativity by reforming the educational system affect other countries?
1: I mean, there's one way to look at it, which is, Chinese kids who go through their basic education in China and then move to the West and encounter full intellectual freedom often do incredibly well because they have a really dynamite combination of sort of discipline, ability to work hard, and then boom, it just sort of goes wild or free if you like. And and some really extraordinary people come out of that particular combination. So We don't really know exactly what will happen and to what extent it will happen, but it's possible theoretically that some kind of a combination of those two things may start to take place domestically. Although I'm a little hesitant to, for example, I wouldn't want to predict how far it would go because I think that they are contradictory to some extent. Although I also think that in China, people are very good at holding contradiction and nevertheless moving forward with it. So again, I think it's not going to go nowhere.
0: Do you think the competition from Chinese students or Chinese companies will in effect of these changes become more fierce?
1: I think overall that competition from China is simply growing all the time and that's why i also think that the most important thing that western countries can do is to stick very closely with their own set of beliefs in a free and humanistic education system and to integrate reasoned political thought and debate in schools Young ages, because these are the things that are missing in China overall. And I think that although they seem like so called soft qualities, I think they're actually extremely enduring and are things that are simply very difficult to recreate in an authoritarian system. And that's a great strength of the West. Although I think increasingly that. Western politicians in particular don't understand that and they feel threatened and challenged to become more like China and we're seeing the growth in test-based education systems in the United States, the no child left behind system, we're seeing it in the UK as well, a very metrics-based education system, we're seeing it in Germany with this move away from more exploratory education systems after the shock of the PISA test more than fifteen years ago now. And you know, of course it's a very metric-based way to judge education and what people become. Because for example, Shanghai does brilliantly at it, but Shanghai is a sliver of the country. And the kids are coached how to do that exam, which I find very surprising and I'm not sure how the results can ever be seen as equal everywhere in the world when you've got that kind of situation.
0: What issue in the discussion of creativity in China do you think is often overlooked?
1: I think above all, the issue of play really interests me and the idea that you give children the freedom to explore and I think that that starts very, very young. I see here in Germany how parents let their children go and do things where they may make mistakes they may even hurt themselves a little bit when I was living in China with my kids if one of them tripped on the street but it didn't look serious to me I'd say something like oh come on you're fine pick yourself up sorry you hurt yourself are you okay but come on let's keep going my Chinese friends and this is actually one particular incident I remember being with a Chinese friend when this happened And she was completely horrified and said, you know, I mean, a Chinese family would never do that. It would be, you know, pick up the baby, you know, wash it, you know, take it to the hospital. (laughs) It would be very kind of physically controlling. And I think that that willingness to give children their playful independence is still quite hard for, for Chinese families.
0: Thank you, Kirsten, for this interview. That was Diddy Kirsten Tetlow, visiting academic fellow at Merix and long-term China correspondent for the New York Times. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye. You have been listening to Merix Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merix.org.